Awesome. I have the pleasure of having the next guest on the Newfangled Lawyer podcast here with me today, Joel Carney. He is the um, Director of Business Development at Cashroom um, and of counsel at Gooseman Law Firm, um, which is based in Omaha. He previously served as the Chief People Officer. Uh, he's a lover of technology. Um, and is okay with trying new things even after being in private practice for 25 years. So I'm sure we'll learn a lot from uh, Joel's wisdom and his years of experience of being a, a people connector. Um, is I, I, What Joel is known for um, is knowing people and knowing how to connect people. So thank you so much for being here, Joel. I'll, I'll turn it over to you then to add anything you wanna add uh, uh, about yourself. Patrick, thanks for having me. Excited to be on the Newfangled Lawyer podcast. Um, yeah, you did a nice job setting the table for a little bit of my history. Um, so I'm a 25-year private practice lawyer um, prior to this role, practicing in litigation, um, some bankruptcies, some estate planning, kind of a hybrid lawyer, if you will. Um, I think that kind of comes from starting at a firm that does a lot of different things and being a young, capable lawyer, you kind of take on whatever comes on your plate. And so that kind of uh, set the table for me uh, doing what I do and practicing in the areas I have. Um, and so after practicing in uh, three pr different uh, law firms and serving as a managing partner, uh, financial partner, the chief people officer, kind of the chief technology person at a couple firms, this cash room group, um, I found out about uh, the the company and the concept a couple of years ago, and I it kind of spoke to me because um, you know having been in a leadership um, and a management position in law firms, getting the finances right was always a challenge, and it's always um, it's the bane of many lawyers' existence. We don't do a very good job always keeping track. It's of our a lawyer. It's a it's a lawyer stereotype. Oh, and it's exactly it's stereotype for a reason because it is true, and it's um, none of us are very good at contemporary co contemporaneously keeping track of the time, and let alone um, getting the bills out, and then once they're out, getting them paid. Um, so it was just I know it was a pain point, um, and if we're not getting paid, it's hard enough to do what we do. If we're not getting paid, what the heck are we doing? <laughs> it's a business. It's a business it at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. What I say is I, I run a business that just so happens to be a law firm. Right, and that's, um, that's right. As opposed to the other way around. Um, and so I, what I'm interested in is kind of your journey to even a role of chief people officer and, and how those kinds of roles are, you know, finding their way into law firms and what do they actually do? Yeah, so the chief people officer title, we kind of took a time out three or four years ago and said, looked at what I was doing. You know, I was practicing law probably half the time and managing the firm in terms of recruiting people, retaining people, making sure we had wellness initiatives um, in place and doing business development. And so we were looking <laughs> for a title that kind of captured what it was that Carney did. Um, and so uh, born was chief people officer, you know, back four, four or five years ago, Google and Facebook and a lot of the big companies were starting to do, looked at, you touched on me being a people connector, which is kind of, you know, basically putting people together, finding opportunities. 
Um, and it just fit. And I became the chief people officer, CTO. <laughs> You allowed so, you allowed it to be you, yeah. you allowed it to be easy. Yeah, exactly. You allowed it to just naturally occur and transform and develop. Um, and that's you that's unique in a in a in the practice of law that an yeah. attorney would gravitate towards the thing that just naturally fits with who they are and what they do. What did that get you to, to be you know, acknowledged? and allowed to do something that just was you? I think, well, and Gina Guzman, my then law partner, was smart uh, to adopt the Gallup strength mentality that people do a lot better when they're working in their strength zone. And my, my top five are uh, all in the relationship zone, which is kind of unique for lawyers. You know, usually they're strategic and, you know, um, all these other different strengths that, you know, kind of, um, you know, make up a lot of really good lawyers, whereas mine are really people centric and would serves be great with clients. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, you know, you're supposed to be a, when you're a litigator, a bulldog. I think I've more been a litigator trying to find a, a resolution as soon as possible to make the client's life easier as soon, you know, without having to spend everybody's money and just getting there so we can move on to the next thing. You're, you're, you're what I call the, the Labrador retriever litigator. <laughs> But no one, rarely does anyone call up and be like, you know what? I want the Labrador Retriever um, litigator when yeah. really they do. Yeah. I, they, they don't know that they want me. I think so, sometimes yeah. it's just because, you know, they their friends have told them they need a bulldog instead. And um, I, yeah, I try to be the, the one that's like bringing everybody to the center. And that's probably why I also gravitated to mediation and, you know, other, other forms of alternative dispute resolution. So is this how you were the entire time you... The, the full 25 years where you always just like, I'm Joel and this is what I do. This is how I do it. And this is me. I think in the early but days I, w I wasn't, I think I was probably trying to be more of the, of the, uh, the bulldog just because you're, that's what the expectation was. Um, but I think after years of experience and dealing with client expectations and kind of, I realized that you really got to be clear that, you know, you can't just, Oh yeah, we're gonna get them for everything you just asked for at the at the onset. You got to really manage them early on and go, hey, I know where this is going. It's gonna cost so much money, and you may or may not be happy, but you just kind of have to really um, let them know the risks and um, tell them you'd be it would behoove you to get this thing done sooner than sooner than later. Well, then it's more genuine too. Yeah, absolutely. right. You're you're not having to sell so hard. You're just like this is this is uh, this is my ethos. This is what I believe in. Yeah. And you either agree with it or not. Right. And sometimes they say they agree with it and then you get <laughs> a little bit down the road and then they want the bulldog and you say, well, it looks like you better go find a new lawyer. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is like in anything you do, you can get people to a certain point. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to let go or transform or develop. So, so here you are, you're, you're in, uh, a brand new role, uh, a non-attorney role, really. Yeah, um, it's really a, it's a, it's a, in sales at its core, isn't it? I guess. Um, but you know the the service that I am uh, promoting and um, building a brand here in the United States is, um, I think, it's a untapped market. <laughs> it's uh, it's different, um, and it's 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 effective just because the folks that are running the service are 
very geared and have experience in doing law firm centric accounting. And that's, you know, as a, as somebody who's had to hire bookkeepers and look at resumes, you kind of have to take people at their word and you kind of have to try to read the tea leaves on whether they're going to be able to, you know, follow the strict rules of compliance that lawyers have to follow to make sure that their books are, are, are kept right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big risk, but you seem like you're maybe uh, a risk taker. And I mean that in a positive way. So how have you developed this relationship with like taking healthy risk? Because attorneys you know, are known for taking, right? We all hear about attorneys that take uh, unhealthy risk. I think I realized also, I mean, it's tough being a, I mean, problem solvers rule the world, right? Um, and that's what we are as lawyers. I think kind of, you know, dealing with other people's problems all the time made me realize that you can carry a lot of their weight on your shoulders. So it's smart to be looking at new ways to solve problems and also new, you know, in this case, new opportunities that I, you know, I would never contemplated when I was graduating from law school 25 years ago. So I think that's why I um, am in this role. And um, it, I feel like the job pursued me. I know it did, but it also, um, I think the law of attraction was at, at full at full effect uh, when when it happened. So you've almost always seen yourself as like uh, an opportunity seeker. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I believe in um, yeah that opportunity that if you open yourself up to uh, different opportunities, they will find you because uh, <laughs> of least resistance and just keeping an open hand, uh, it'll find you. You know, it's what I tell people is like even with, uh, you know, building up a network of people, right? It's just is relationship building at its core. And it's not really that hard. Um, there's not a secret formula or path to follow other than just show up and be yourself and invite people to do things. Yeah. Um, and have people talk about themselves, right? I think they, they people want to talk about themselves and their problem and, you know, just shut up and listen, um, which a lot of lawyers aren't good at. I mean, I think the best ones, you know, to give a five count before they start talking, because a lot of times the, you're going to learn a lot about who you're talking to in that, in that moment of silence, because people want to talk about themselves and the uncomfortable thing that they really want to get to is right under the surface. And if you just shut up for a second, they'll say it. That's right. <laughs> gives gives up breathing room, um, yeah. and it will present itself. So Joel, so ha have you always been this way? Like growing up, were you like the an extroverted people person? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was uh, growing up in sports and in choir and show choir and band, and um, yeah, I, I I think I was very well rounded, um, but I was never one to stay at home. I was always uh, with my with people um my mom and dad would laugh because i was just not around as soon as i had a car i was never around again <laughs> um, this would and, be no surprise to them yeah absolutely and they they were they you're, you're exactly right when they heard about this they they had a they had the rca dog they, they gave me the sideways look for just a second and then they were like oh, this makes sense you, you you are kind of born to <laughs> born to sell born to you know it's a natural progression it is all, all the decisions you've been making led you led you to this point it yeah, um, just, just took 25 years yeah well that it takes time right you got to be paid you got to be patient you got to play the long game because you don't know um you know where 
where your legal career will take you, where your law degree will, where it will bring you. Um, yeah, I think at, at one point I, you know, I was when I started law school, I thought oh, I'm going to be a sports agent. I'd seen Jerry Maguire and thought, oh, you can do anything with a law degree. <laughs> My dad was a lawyer, but he did, you know, estate planning and corporate work. My grandma was a judge. It was kind of always, oh, wow. I always thought I was going to be in the legal field because you don't go study history in undergrad thinking probably you're going to be a history teacher if you're me <laughs> with my personality. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I kind of knew um, going to law school, even though my dad was like, it's not for everybody. It's tough. Um, be careful. Kind of a caution to me. But I also knew that you could do different things. And so that's kind of what I guess why, why I was gravitated to law school. So you said your grandma was a judge. She was. So, she was I mean, uh, that, that's, she must have been a trailblazer. 1964. Um, so there was a, yeah. So she was a, a county court magistrate judge in Kearney County, spelled differently than my name, Minden, Nebraska. And, um, and then there was also, there was another. For our listeners not familiar, Minden, Nebraska is a very tiny rural town. It is. It's in the center of Nebraska, um, just about 50 miles, 30 miles from Kearney, Nebraska. But yeah, so she, in 1964 on the, um, on the heels of the civil rights movement and the the act in 1964 um, that there was a female judge that started in Omaha by the last name of Pittman um, and my grandma uh, were female judges blazing the trail you're right and it was a kind of kind of amazing to growing up to have her you know here come the judge it's grandma and so you grew up in the same town Nope, I grew up in, uh, I was born in Omaha, Nebraska, raised in Scotts Bluff. So about oh, God. 500 miles, 450 miles to the west of here. Um, in the Panhandle. So, yeah. by, Col- yeah. by Colorado for people. We're yep. going to educate some people about the geography of Nebraska today. Yeah, closer to Wyoming and Colorado to, to Omaha yes. for sure. Yeah, about Boy, 30 minutes from Wyoming. And even in terms of look and feel, oh, it definitely, okay. if, if it's more of the west. It in is. the Midwest, close to a mile high. I like Denver's known as the mile highest city, so it's, it's more it's more temperate. It's not the crazy weather swings that we get in Omaha and the humidity. It's it's much more. Uh, other than the wind, it's and it's, it's beautiful. It is. There's bluffs and uh, pr- beautiful rock formations out there, and it's hilly. It's yeah, it's different than most of Nebraska. What people would think. Well, and actually, a lot of Nebraska. We're gonna do a, a bird walk here for a second. A lot of Nebraska is not flat. No, it's when not. People, and people don't know this. Like Omaha, extremely hilly. Yep. Like but in the middle. In the middle, yeah. it's kind of you know, it's flat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for uh, a yeah. long, long stretch, I eighty, it, it gets flat and boring for a very long period of time. Absolutely so, does. <laughs> on your on your way to Colorado. Okay, yes. so but but back to your grandma. So, um, that must have been very impactful to see your your grandma at a time where there wasn't a lot of female attorneys to begin with. Right. Uh, And then to become a judge. um, What did that like mean to you to like, see that like to, to inspire you to like, Hey, you can, you can be the trailblazer. Right. I mean, I, I just remember it was impactful because I knew how much she was looked up to, especially in that small community. When we'd visit um, it was known, you know, you'd walk the, the County square and, People knew knew my grandma, obviously knew the judge, um, and I just kind of sensed the um, uh, how important what she did was to the community, and she was liked and uh, respected. And I think that's what I what really st- stays with me today. Um, that it's, um, it's it's why I 
kept on uh, wanting to go to law school um, and and do what I do. And so, and your dad was an attorney in, in Scotts Bluff. In Scotts Bluff, yep. So he started out in Omaha. Also, he was a Creighton Creighton grad like me, um, and uh, in the late seventies, got pursued by a Scotts Bluff law firm to come out and help them. Uh, with build their uh, law office. Um, he met him at the Nebraska State Bar Association annual meeting. Well, well so, again, people, just yeah. meeting people. Ab- absolutely. It's not, what you know, it's, what, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Oh, every day. Yeah, that's everything. And so, okay, so you knew from a very early age, like, I'm going to become an attorney. But being an attorney is not, is not uh, this linear path. No, it's not. I mean, I... I, I think I knew that that's what I I wanted to do, but I also had, you know, like everybody, I also like, oh, I'm going to, I want to be an optometrist. I thought I had other, you know, some other cool jobs that I thought would be good. And then, you know, you take chemistry 109 and you decide, <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to law school. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah. it was a weed out class and it, it did its job. <laughs> well, there's some amount of, um, there's a couple of things. One of them is like what you're naturally, you know, uh, talented at what you were born to do right um and just accepting that like you're you're the people guy and that's what yeah. that's what you're born that's that was what you're destined to do um is to be the people guy um and so i'm interested you said you also like technology so this this interplay right now between technology and people i think that technology just allows attorneys to be more human and frees them up to do more human things. What do you, what, what do you see our path here forward with technology and the practice of law? I've always looked at it uh, as working smarter, not harder. Uh, I think that's why I'm an early adopter of, of technology. Um, you know, kind of giving you my background. I, I learned, uh, in the eighties, you know, when it was DOS types of uh, computing. And I was always the person that has the, had the new Palm pilot, had the new, you know, droid phone, had the new iPhone. Um, the, and the, black, also, the Blackberry. The... Had the Blackberry in there. Um, but I learned, I learned how to run um, PCs and Macs just because I wanted to understand them. And so it's always been, um, and I'm also a problem solver. So every time somebody has any of these devices, you know, go wrong, they call Carney before they call the IT department. So I, I think I like that because I like being somebody that can help people quickly, um, especially if it's like, uh, it's really easy fix, just do this. Um, I, I've always kind of uh, uh, appreciated that and again, help people get back to their day so they can go be lawyers or do whatever I'm, uh, whatever I can do to solve their problem as quickly as possible. Well, and so, um one of the things is right now obviously is ai it's the talk of everything um and the investment in ai um but the counter to that is investment in hi human intelligence um and what are law firms going to do to continuously um you know support that function like humans and right. what and what makes us humans? We're not machines. We we can't work and work and work. We have a law of diminishing returns. We have human problems. <laughs> we get sick. We break down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, what has been your experience 
as being a chief people officer of what works of supporting the human part of the attorney? The wellness piece is so important uh, because like you said, we all have families. We've got so many factors pulling for our time. I think uh, wellness programs that just remind people that it's important to get out, stand up, go walk around the building a couple times a day. If you're stuck at night, get some physical exercise, read a book, be with friends that matter, that are important. Don't get shut down that you're just, you know, leaving the office to go eat a hot pocket and get back to work. (laughs) Go do things that matter. So you just don't feel like a Mm. legal robot. Mm. Uh, And you can actually um, have meaningful relationships with your, with your loved ones. So you, when you come home, you're not just, a shrunken stub of a, what you were when you left. Just a hot, uh, you're not a hot pocket. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, I like this. It's, it's having uh, an intention that things can matter outside of your identity as being an attorney, yeah. right? Things have to matter outside of that. And you have to put energy to them. You have to reserve energy and time to do that. So what, what have you done in, uh, your career to like, what is your non-attorney outlet? Like Loved, what, you, what matters yeah. to you, Joel? Yeah. I mean, family's utmost importance. Um, love following my kids, sporting events and extracurricular activities. Love to travel um, outside. Where's your, favorite, where's, where's your favorite place to travel to? I'm a mountain guy. I love the mountains and like love to go skiing. Breckenridge grew up going to Steamboat Springs, um, snow skiing. But also the kids like like a good beach and there's nothing like, you know, getting a little <laughs> vitamin D, especially yeah. when you're stuck in, stuck in Nebraska in February. True. <laughs> True. Um, and I know I noticed you have your Peloton bike behind you. Yeah, even even though it's blurred, do you it's use blurred. it? It's, it's you can make it out. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see the red handle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, iconic red handle. Yeah. Are are you a, an avid Pelotoner? Um, I am, I guess, um, I'm not really like anybody. It's that, that time of year where I'm writing it the most I do all year, probably <laughs> um, but, uh, getting ready for swimsuit season, I suppose. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I love it. Um, it's just a, a way and, and while it's, I've got no excuse working from home with, the, with this a new position, it's right there and it's easy to go do for 20 to 30 minutes. There's no reason why you can't do it. Um, so I, I do like that. And then just, you know, you sleep better. Who's your favorite teacher? Who's your favorite teacher? I'm an Alex Rassant guy, um, and I like. I also like Emma Lovewell. I think those are my two favorite. What's your favorite kind of ride? Are you a hit a hit guy? Uh, a Tabata yeah. ride? Are you a classic I'm, rock ride? Yeah, I'm more. I'm a. I love a little uh, '90s R&B. I think is my. There go-to. you go. Yeah, like some <laughs> some Usher. Yeah. yeah, that's probably yeah. I mean, I'm I'm big oh, into oh, the oh. '80s, '90s, and early 2000s hip hop scenes. So. Oh, Joel, this is awesome. Yeah. Who's your favorite rapper? Jeez. Uh, you know, I love for hip hop tribe called quest back in the day was kind of my, my go-to, um, you know, favorite rapper. I like Mace. Uh, Mace. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That's a blast from the past. That's yeah. a perfect. Pick. That's a perfect pick. Yeah. I mean, oh. so I, yeah, I, I, I'm eclectic. I like all kinds of music, but if, you know, if, I'm really at my living my best life. I like a little good hip hop and I love dance R and B. Okay, this is why you can't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, you never no know. One would, no one would ever say Joel Carney, his <laughs> favorite rapper is Mace. 
but I love that. But I love. But I love this. This is, yeah. it just shows you you can't come in with really any preconceived notions of who a person is at all. It's all projections, right? Yeah. Like you can project. I wasn't, that projecting, I wasn't projecting well enough to <laughs> know who. Well, now, 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 I think you need to get some like a mace T-shirt. Yeah. Um, that's Gold like chains and some you know you, some gear. I think, honestly, I think you do. I think I need to send you a Mace t-shirt. Maybe that's going to be your thank you for being on the podcast. <laughs> or like a, a Mace CD, because those are wow. coming back. <laughs> wow. Love it. No, it's awesome. The Pel yeah, uh, Peloton would love us. Maybe because they're struggling, they would uh, pay for a, like an ad spot. Um, yeah, that's uh, two, right. Two guys talking about their favorite Peloton. Like we do like reviews of our favorite rides. Yeah. But it's uh, a big funny. thing. Yeah, quick tangent. I, uh, I I used to do Cycle Bar, which is Peloton's one of their competitor competitors pre pandemic. And uh, back at my at my height, I was thinking about becoming a Cycle Bar instructor. Well, of course, uh, yeah. And uh, so that I still that, that's I mean, on brand. That's on yeah, brand. Joel. I may be doing that still. That's a that's a 2024 2025 initiative. We'll see what happens here. I I will uh, keep my fingers crossed for you. Yeah, appreciate it. I'll, I'll call um, you in. You know, yeah, no, you I'll come. I'll fly in. I'll fly in. We can do it. Like a, yep. yeah, like a two teacher class. Yeah. It'd be good. It'd be good. I mean, because the whole thing, the whole concept of of Peloton is one of the things I like about it, is, and it can be borrowed from a lot of different like aspects of your life. Is a lot of it is not in the intensity. It's in the it's in the showing up, and it. And attorneys, a lot of times it needs to be super intense. It needs to be perfect. It needs to be the best. You're not going to show up unless you're doing it the best. When that just sets you up for failure, because rarely, you know, when you go to trial, is it going to be perfect, right? When, when you start representing someone and you set out a course of action, rarely does it go exactly how you would think it right your career you could have uh say hey this is the, my career trajectory but a lot of it's in the journey it's in the showing up it's in the being consistent and just accepting that some days it's gonna feel like crap and you're gonna have to do it anyway yep and then um, in the meantime be nice to people and play nice and um sometimes lawyers forget that and i think I think Peloton, you know, gives you an outlet to kind of, you know, put your best foot forward when you are practicing. And I think any any kind of back to the wellness, if it's walking, if it's, you know, if it's swimming, if it's skiing, whatever it is, do something physical 30 minutes a day and you're going to be a better, better lawyer. There you go. You heard it here first. Yeah. Sweat once a day. I think that's that's what Lou Lemon says. Another product placement. <laughs> you know, well, I'm just going to start. I'm just going to start peppering them through through the episodes to see what happens um okay so other than um your love of 90s r&b and peloton and your family um what else do you do like what else if you if you were saying joel carney is and it's not an attorney obviously you're a cycler mm -hmm. um you're you like music what else what else would you say describes you uh always has friends around and i always will have a friend around or always talking to somebody i think that goes back to the um relationship building um i think my biggest challenge is is i've got 
my family and all my friends, I think from every walk of life, um, still in connection. And I think the world has gotten so much smaller. You have to really be intentional about where you spend your time because, um, you know, otherwise you can uh, get spread way too thin. And so that's been one of my biggest challenges in terms of you have to say no to more people, uh, which I'm not very good at. I'm a yes man. Love, <laughs> love to help people. Like I said, love to, yeah. you know, so I've got, a, I've gotten better at, uh, being a little bit more focused that probably didn't answer your question, but that's what came to mind. Uh, <laughs> no, you did. You did. You're, you're, uh, you're a friend. I am. You're a yeah. friend. And, and we live in a time and space where the person who's a good friend, um, can be, can be too accessible as friend. Mm -hmm. And then when you're the friend to too many people at a certain point, it reaches uh, a threshold where you go, I, I, can't be a good friend to everyone. Right. And so I need to be start being more selective with who gets gets VIP access to the great friend level of Joel Carney. Right. Well, I gotta make room to be the best friend of the people I have time and make time for. And to all my friends out there, you know, nothing personal, but uh, you know <laughs> I'm not don't be mad at me because I also that, that need to be loved. Uh, 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 uh. there's only so much carny to go around that's right yeah you gotta set you gotta set boundaries yes. and attorney attorneys suck at setting setting boundaries because we there's this um this idea or this concept this paradigm that if you're not accessible to everyone all the time all at once 24 7 365 you're not committed you don't care you're not a hard worker um and you're going to be passed over, right? Clients are going to pass you over. They're going to say bad things about you. Uh, attorneys at your office won't give you work. Um, and you're going to miss the emergency. You're going to be missed when you're needed most because you're not there all of the time. What do you, what do you say? What do you say to that? That stereotype, right? Is, is there a way? Is there a way to address it? To balance it? To change it? I just think you can't buy into it. The sooner you realize that um, people, yes, they care about what you think and what you do, but they don't think near as, about you near as much as you, you give yourself credit for. So I'd say the sooner you make that realization, you can just say, you know, you know, forget it. And uh, you do and, you. Yeah, and be you. Joel, you're, you're so refreshing. I can see why you're the chief, chief people officer because a lot of attorneys become hard, right, hardened or spiteful or disenfranchised the longer that they practice. You seem to get more inspired, more more open, more less less fixed on certain things, and more in a growth mindset. Is that just who you are, or it, did you have like a defining point in your career that was like, this is it? No, I just think it it's probably was the midlife, you know, crisis in me that I think I just quit worrying about the BS and worry about what's important. And, um, you know, it was probably just the mortality knowing that, you know, you got only so much time, do it right, baby. Um, because um, <laughs> if, if you're not, you know, you're going to regret and I mean, everybody's going to regret, but, you know, let's have more, uh, you know, positive experiences and make people's lives better. Joel, you know, it's, you know, it's just uh, a pervasive theme. Like if I were to tie a string 
<laughs> right now through all the episodes and i'm sure going forward too of people that have this mindset of i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do in a kind way for the betterment of myself and basically everyone else around me mentions one thing death and mortality and 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 has come to an understanding that it's fleeting and there's no there's no delay like it you have to just say i'm going to act with integrity and be kind and like and, and everything else will fall into place yeah well i heard somebody say that you know it's a, it's a certainty death right but um what can you do? That's you got to, you know, we're not ready for it. So you might as well be nice in the meantime. And, uh, you know, it's and be kind to others. And I think um, that's, that's been my uh, hallmark of, uh, especially, like I said, after that, you know, just getting a little bit older. Um, yeah, it just, it gets real pretty quick. And so you better be authentic and real to the people you love. So is there, is there um, like on your list of things like, a bucket list or like here are the five things i want to accomplish you know i like do or i have don't i've been regret i mean there's certain life experiences i love to travel um my new company took me to scotland this year um you know and i had never been to europe before last year but my oldest went on a, a trip to study abroad and so i got to go to spain and italy i think oh. those are i think just hitting uh those countries or i think travel um destinations but now where else where else do you want to go you know i think next it's a good question i want to go to ireland i've not been to ireland yet um i'd love to go uh you know i'd love to go to germany um i want to go someplace you know bora bora but that's for other reasons but uh <laughs> <laughs> somewhere, trop somewhere exotic yeah I'd like to go on a good vacation too but i think now most of my bucket list items are kit related to my kids seeing my my daughters get married um, you know, see them all graduate from college, see them all healthy, happy, safe, um, and set up for success. That's kind of, I think where most of my bucket room lies right now. All right. Are any of your kids on the path of becoming attorneys? My oldest is about to graduate from college. Um, she's threatened to go to law school, but she's, she's going to take a gap, a gap year and probably go to grad school for communications or something. What does else. it mean to threaten going to law school? I'm curious about this. Oh, I think you chose that, you chose that word uh, yeah. intentionally. What does I that think, mean to threaten to yeah, go to law school? She's seen the, the, the great thing, the great things that uh, being a lawyer can do, but also has seen the, mm -hmm. you know, the, the tax it takes on a, on a human being and a family sometimes just because, you know, sometimes dad's away. Um, and sometimes, um, you know, I have to put clients first because we make that promise too, right? We have to zealously advocate and that kind of gets in the way of my family first <laughs> mantra. And so it kind of puts you at odds with yourself and that kind of makes it tough sometimes. So I think that's where the threaten probably comes from, sneaks in. <laughs> I'm going to do this to you, dad. Yeah, um, you did it to me. Um, well, that's, that's funny. The threaten to go into law school. I don't think she's alone there. I, I think I think that's a common theme of children of attorneys almost do it begrudgingly to prove something. Um, and so it's like even my own journey of becoming an attorney, like because I've obviously been exploring this through this platform is 
like, did I do it for myself or other people? Right. And keep, you have to, you keep reevaluating that as you go. Right. And as you go further and further along, you mentioned it is you stop making the decision or you care less. And I mean that in the best way possible of what other people think. Right. You go, I know I'm smart. This is for me. I make good decisions. I'm going to do it. And people come along for the journey. So, Joel, I, I end the podcast with asking the question of what do you think it means to be a newfangled lawyer? I think it's being open to uh, challenging your notions of what it is you do and how you do it every day. Um, newfangled to mean, you know, it's it means you're willing to take measured smart risks um, to be more efficient in getting things done. Um, I think that's how I got to cash room. I saw uh, an opportunity where, um, you know, I've seen the challenges that uh, turnover in a bookkeeping department brings in terms of the challenges that, you know, if, if a bookkeeper leaves, it falls to a lawyer to mm -hmm. pick up the slack and make sure the firm keeps on going <laughs> and you need to keep things going. And we're crappy bookkeepers. We are by nature, right? And <laughs> very few of us have a. I, I didn't have a business degree in, in my undergrad. Neither my did undergrad. I. I think, and there's there's lots there's some law school classes that are supposed to teach you that some of those things how to run a practice, but very few people actually take those because yeah, yeah they want to take you know specific areas of the law while they're in in law. Although school. Although I think it's changing. I think it's changing. I, For I me, think. Yeah, I, I think some I think some law schools now are really promoting the um, business aspects of running a law firm because um, that's so important. And and so many more uh, law firms. Right. Some people join the law firm because they're business minded. Right. They are managing partner right out the gate. That's why they're a brought to that law firm to begin with not because of their substantive acumen but because of their business acumen first the other thing is um you know really focusing on be good at what you're good at and let go of the rest <laughs> so we don't have to be everything yeah for everything we, we can all be so lucky right uh, if, if only I mean, that's, that's the point to get to. Well, Joel, thank you so much for joining me today and for the conversation. I, I really appreciate it. Um, and for all the listeners out there, um, make sure to like, share, follow. The podcast can be found on Spotify and Apple. Um, and thank you so much. Uh, I definitely learned something today. So I hope, I hope everyone else did as well. So thanks, Joel. Thank you for having me, Patrick. It's a pleasure. Thanks.